Just before we begin our podcast today, I have to interrupt with very important and exciting news. Fresh off the press and available right now, my brand new book, Revival If, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. I really, really believe as you read its pages, your spirit will be stirred, your heart will be sparked by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching you to become a right now resurrected, revenant, remnant revivalist of redemptive change. You can pick up your copy at any fine bookstore, including digital bookstores on your favorite platform, or get your exclusive signed author's edition by visiting revivalif.com. Well, as always, it's my great, great joy, my honor, really, that you take your time to be with me on Wednesday night. You know, this beautiful set was designed for the specific purpose of my divine assignment to you tonight. Here it is. We're going to be talking about it tonight. Revival if. Everybody shout if. In fact, right there where you are, I'm an audience participation preacher. Type in if. That's the word we're going to center in on tonight. Revival if. You know, every true believer deeply, deeply desires authentic Holy Ghost revival. We look for it. We long for it. We read of revivals of history, but we, the relevant revenant remnant, actually pray for it. We plead with heaven in passionate pursuit of revival's reign and restoration for a flood of revival's refreshing and renewal. And our hearts ache for miracles, for signs, for wonders flowing in great torrents over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate, for an outpouring of true, authentic salvations and supernatural manifestations of God's overpowering presence. We cry out to heaven for revival's evangelistic advancement with its dramatic and spiritual, social, and cultural transformative power of recreation. But as I've often asserted, all of the blessings of God are, watch me, conditional. In other words, God's promises to you, those things that are yes and amen for you in his word, if and only if come into manifestation through surrender and steadfast obedience, when we, you and me, when we meet the biblical criteria and the divine mandate, if, it's a modest, minuscule word, two letters, but it carries imminent opportunities. It becomes a strategic inflection point where a change must be made because you cannot go on as you were. If becomes the difference between the status quo and radical, irreversible, undeniable, eternal change. If revival, if. 
is the God-inspired title of my brand new book. And tonight, we're about to discover a portion of that life-changing, destiny-altering, history-making revelation. But just before we take a deep, deep dive to break open the seals of revival, if igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival, everything I share with you tonight will be available at whc.life. So you only have to remember one website. It'll all be there for you, whc.life. So we're going to talk now about revival if. Last Wednesday night, I took you into the heart of one of America's revival landmarks. It's Cane Ridge, Kentucky. In fact, we're about to take a whole field trip, if you will, of students from Valor Christian College to experience what I experienced in Cane Ridge, Kentucky. It's where a genuine, genuine great awakening sparked, caught fire, and Holy Ghost revival from that spot blazed across the American frontier. Whole thing began in 1801. Well, tonight, I'm gonna stay right here in this beautiful studio prepared just for this purpose. Later this month, we're going back to Cane Ridge for more of the historical revival if ministry. I wanna begin with the scripture tonight that is the foundational basis biblically. Look, these two books go together. Revival if, the Bible and revival if will change your life the way why Revival Terry's by the great Leonard Ravenhill changed my life when I was eight years of age. The foundational scripture for Revival If that we're going to really delve into should be a familiar one to you, but we're going to approach it from a whole new perspective. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Here's why we call it revival if. If, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God said. Now he's not finished. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. I placed an overwhelming major emphasis in this brand new book, Revival If, on the importance, the absolute necessity, the power, and the presence of prayer. Do you know why? you feel a lot of your prayers aren't go, un, go unanswered is, is because there's no presence on them. I'm not talking about vain repetition. I'm not talking about a nice little two-minute, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. 
I'm not talking about saying grace repetitively over your food. Somebody said the other day, I was grabbing something to eat and headed to a meeting. They said, well, aren't you going to pray over that food? Honey, I prayed this morning before I ever left my room. Do you understand? And I'm not talking about some little repetitive prayer. I'm talking about grabbing a hold, glory to God of the horns of the altar, until the presence of God comes and graces your petitions, your supplications, your intercessions before the throne of a God you know is going to answer. The Lord God, oh, I want you to get this. It runs like a scarlet thread through the new book, Revival Live. God Almighty can use one solitary but sold out man or woman. One. God will use one man, one woman, who possess a passion for lost souls. Now I'm pausing there. A passion for lost souls. Third time, a passion for lost souls. Let me ask you a question. What's the one burden God wants to give you and never take away from you, never deliver you from? It's the burden of feeling the weight of eternal, eternal souls, men and women, boys and girls, who if they should perish today, or if Jesus should split the eastern sky, would spend eternity separated from God, separated from light, separated from mercy. Lost souls. One man or woman, could it be you? I may be talking to one of those tonight who desire radical, revenant, revolutionary change. First of all, in their personal life. Stop praying for revival to hit your church until you prayed for revival to hit you. Stop praying for revival in America until revivals hit your family. Stop praying for revival in your city until revivals hit your church. Stop praying for revival in the world till we see a sweeping move of God in this nation. Pray for that first. I pray to God that's who I'm talking to tonight. I'd like to just reach through this camera and grab a hold of you and say, is it you? I know it's difficult, you know, to, to wrap your minds around the possibility that an entire region surrounding you could be immersed in glorious revival. History records it. Several specific locations, one of which included Cane Ridge, Kentucky. Spoke to you about it last week. Now listen, I suspect that the reason is directly related to the low esteem and light emphasis which is given in today's pulpits and churches. 
to that thing which our Bibles declare to be indispensable, an absolute imperative. That is the privilege and the practice of prayer. Tonight, we are in a dire deficiency corporately as a church, individually. The average evangelical preacher prays a shameful eight minutes a day. Type in now, that's a shame. We got a great watch party there telling me going on with Ryan and Deshauna Bailey. We love you so much in their home. God bless every single one of you. Paul in South Carolina, my brother's having heart surgery. Lori in Minnesota, blurred vision. Larry in Washington's friend, brain cancer. Father, as I teach tonight, may every word be enveloped in, infused with your anointing that breaks every yoke, sets every captive free, heals every sick and afflicted one, saves every sinner, delivers every captive. Let it be now in Jesus' mighty name. The average evangelical preacher prays a minuscule eight minutes a day. What a shame. What a demise. How treacherous that is. No wonder we have so many preachers who fail. Your Bible says we should pray and not faint. You know what that means? If you're praying, you're not fainting. And if you're fainting, you're not praying. We, we have need of the great catalyst of desire, the catalyst of expectation, the catalyst of simple faith, trust, that assurance that if we will ask, it will be given to us as our Lord and Savior made us the conditional promise, conditional promise, Matthew 7, 7, right? If, there it is, only if, type in if right now. Tell me who you're praying for. Give me the names of the people in your life that if Jesus came tonight would spend eternity separated from God in the deep, deep darkness of hell itself. Give me their name. Let's have revival. Let's pray. Let me give you the tweet of the night. You ready? Most Christians won't, won't want to hear this, but it's in Revival If, and I sure hope you're going to get your copy. Here it is. Prayerlessness is sin. Period. Prayerlessness is sin. You may look over it, but God does not. We're so informed by the ancient prophet Samuel, <laughs> my favorite prophet, 1 Samuel 12, 23. Samuel said, God forbid. 
that I should sin, watch, against the Lord. How? By failing to pray for you. We sin against God when we do not pray for the salvation, the deliverance, the healing of others. We sin when we do not pray for the revival fires of God. If it's not your standard operating procedure, my dear brother and sister, then repentance is required. Oh, there's an entire section about godly repentance in Revival If. You know, God's church, I, I've been in this thing a while. I'm 65 years young, 65 years old, and reaching my prime. You know, God's church has not always been prayerless. Mm -mm. Former generations knew the art of kneeling in the holy presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and praying until heaven's answer became the reward of their obedience. Here it is, and persistence. The mighty, mighty Pentecostal warriors of old, we called it praying through. To us, to my parents, to my grandparents, the rest of any day's assignments, appointments, became of no concern because greater was their aching, at times bleeding knees, threadbare trousers were not despised. They were given a mandate from heaven, a kingdom assignment to make their petitions known before the throne of grace, to plead their cause at the seat called mercy and nothing else. Did you hear this humble gospel preacher? Nothing else was more significant. Everything else faded into irrelevance. Time stood still. Agendas were dismantled. Schedules and calendars were shredded they became those earthen vessels through which the incense of deep, powerful intercession fueled by the presence of God ascended to heaven from the altars of their hungry and passionate hearts. I'm sure you will agree. What I just described, quite unlike today, isn't it? today, when if you can't get something downloaded on your smartphone in two seconds or less, it's not worth your time. Our own 
personal carnality. Boy, I, I told you we were taking a deep dive tonight. We are diving deep into the pages of revival if. My great God, you need it. We have to have it. Listen to this. Our personal carnality becomes frustrated with impatience. So we just move on to the next shiny, glittery instrument of entertainment. We rush through the dial of 700 different television offerings a night. We have to get to the ball game. We've got to get to the little league. It's off to the show we go. Grab off a dollar and off to the show we'll go. When do you see anyone saying, no, I'm not available for that on such and so night. That's my prayer time. I'll meet you in the morning. Uh, no, I can't come at nine. That's my prayer time. It's no wonder that the modern, spiritually cold, dead, dry believer, air quotes, is impoverished of Holy Ghost anointing because they never pray on bended knees. Listen, when you buy a car, you know, it has a list. If you pay a little more money, you can get an option. Maybe you can get a sunroof. You know, maybe you can get an upgraded music audio system. Maybe you can get upgraded wheels. Maybe you can get upgraded white wall tires. Those are options. But did you ever go to buy a car and the engine was optional? Did you get it? Type in right now, my great God. Do it, do it, do it. My great God. If the engine is optional, the vehicle will not move. It's useless. And if your Christian life is prayerless, prayer is not an option. Prayer, the neglect of prayer is sin. Through neglect, through misuse, we've lost our ability to lay hold once again of the horns of the altar and contend until we become avalanched in total victory. Some of you don't even know what that means to grab a hold of the horns of the altar. I hope you're locked in right now, but I hope you're sharing and I hope you're giving me those thumbs up and praise hands and prayer emojis. Let's have a revival. It may start with you tonight. All of this, all of this has not coincidentally paralleled our loss of heartache, our loss of burden for the pitiful plight of the hell-bound people, the eternally lost souls all around us. 
including those of your own family? Are you giving me their names so that I can pray? Are you typing them in right now fast and furious as you possibly can to get this great company of intercessors here at World Harvest Church and Valor Christian College and City Harvest Network to pray for you, to pray with you, to agree with you, not in a casual conversation with God. I remember Miss Joni, my beautiful wife, they're having a watch party at my house tonight. Hello, Sinead. Hello, Austin. They're a couple. They've been a, that's my son and his lovely lady friend. They have been a couple now for three years. Those of you that know our family and our story know what a miracle that is. Miss Joni's watching tonight. If I began to recount the miracles that we've seen, it would take me days upon days. Miss Ashton Blair, my beautiful daughter, has been attacked from every side. And some people say, well, she's like her parents. She doesn't know how to give up or give in. No, no, no. She's like her heavenly father who knows no defeat. Listen, are you praying? Because if you're not praying, you're falling, you're failing, you're powerless. And stop wanting your church to arrange everything in your Christian life. Well, we have staff prayer on Wednesday at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. or Saturday night at 7 or whatever. That's wonderful. But when are you praying? When are you praying? You know how I got born again? You know how whatever God has graced us to accomplish here at these 15 ministries on one campus, 500,000 square feet under one roof. It's bigger than them all. Because when I was eight years old, I walked home from school. I walked in the house. I yelled for my mother who was always there. I got no answer, no response. So I ran up the steps in my cowboy boots and I wasn't confused about my gender identity. Up the stairs I ran. Halfway up the stairs there was a landing there. I found the vacuum cleaner and in those days they sounded like a diesel truck and it was still running but there was no one at the controls. So I ran all the way upstairs. I thought I'd find my mother in her room. She wasn't there. I ran to my room, she wasn't there. Yelling her name and receiving no response. I heard wailing like someone was dying. 
was coming from my sister's room at the end of the hallway on the right. I was eight years old. That'll soon be 60 years ago. It's more real right now than it was that day. I, I discerned that it was coming from the closet. I opened my sister's closet door. There in a heap, in a pool of tears, grabbing hold of shoes like they were the horns of the altar, was my mother calling my name. God, don't let my boy be lost. God, don't let hell and the hounds of hell get a hold of my son. I rebuke everything that would come. I was eight years old. Where are those mothers? It's as quiet as a pin drop in this studio. I sense the presence of God. This is the message hell didn't want me to get into your heart. Sing all you want. That's about all modern believers do. They can't get through their life unless they've got some worship music on. Nothing wrong with worship music unless it takes the place of prayer. Why won't people pray? We gaze all around us. We look at the cultural, spiritual collapse and drought. And we wring our proverbial spiritual hands in despair as we witness the condition of our nations, our cities, our neighborhoods, our schools, even our homes. Why won't people pray? Do we pray? Very little, it seems to me. If our preachers are praying eight minutes a day, what do we think the people are doing? I, I wonder why. Why don't we pray? Could it, could it be because prayer has become the object of Satan's influence for us to neglect? Is it because somewhere deep in the hidden recesses of our souls, we don't really believe that prayer carries the revenant revolutionary power to affect dynamic and permanent transformation in our lives. Look, we must never, ever, ever, ever doubt our living Christ's integrity, his faithfulness to bring to full fruition every covenant promise made to us in the basis for my new book, Revival If, 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a contract. If. Hmm. 
only if. You know, for over 40 years now, my ministry has been marked by a very special move of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pour those 40 years of ministry experience into your spirit. So allow me to send you my newest labor of love. It's called Revival If, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. You can receive exclusive resources such as your exclusive signed author's edition, study guides, a devotional for Revival If, and a whole lot more at revivalif.com. Now don't forget, you can connect with me on many, many social media platforms. Just visit rodparsley.com for all the official links. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast and may God empower you to bring revival to your family, your church, and the nation.